3: The state of Connecticut made history on January 10th as recreational adult-use cannabis became legal. So what did people have to say and what did the police and our legislators think? Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott Smith. The state of Connecticut made history on Tuesday, January 10th this year as adult use recreational cannabis went on sale, making it legal for anyone over the age of 21 to purchase cannabis and cannabis products without having to look over their shoulder or go to a nearby state where it was already legally available. So what does this all mean for people, police and Connecticut? Well, it's early days and, of course, illegal use of cannabis has been happening in the state for years. So will the fact that it is now legal make any difference or not? I went down to one of the two medical marijuana dispensaries in eastern Connecticut that have been given clearance to sell adult-use cannabis right now to find out more. We start our main story with Ben Tinsley, the general manager for the Botanist Group of Medical Marijuana Dispensaries in Connecticut, as he kicked off Adult Use Cannabis Day on January 10th at 10 a.m. at the group's Montville location.
4: Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on this momentous occasion in the state of Connecticut, uh, more precisely in the city of Montville. We're very excited to be here to open adult use recreational sales at our hybrid operator, the botanist in Montville. It's a very exciting day for us and the rest of the state of Connecticut, its residents and participants in this wonderful industry. We're gonna have a few remarks from some of our local leadership to usher in our new business. And with that being said, I wanna go ahead and introduce the mayor. Sir, if you'd like to go ahead and give us a few remarks.
2: Thank you, thank you, Ben. Um First of all, thank you all for coming. uh, It it truly is a momentous occasion uh, here for for not only the town of Montville, but the region and the state of Connecticut as a whole. Um, You know, Montville has been uh, on the forefront of uh, cannabis uh, since we had the medical marijuana, one of the first medical marijuana facilities in the state here in town. Um, This is what we just view as a natural evolution of of the cannabis uh, industry, and we're proud that Montville has been chosen as one of the sites to do it. And I think likely they were chosen because we have a good partner with the botanist. Uh, They've done a fantastic job here. Um, Professional organization Uh, We've they've worked hand in hand with all of our town officials and departments to make sure that this was a very smooth operation and and, uh, smooth opening. Uh, As you can see by all the presence that we have here, we're well prepared to be able to handle the crowds that we expect to be coming uh, at some point. And there's two outcomes that I really hope to see uh, come from this And one is now that there is a quality control system in place, maybe we'll see a market decrease in, in fentanyl overdose uh, with, with, with just stuff people getting on the streets. Yeah, um, and and secondly, we hope that people will be responsible stewards of the purchases that they make and keep it out of the hands of their, their children and, and their pets. Um, so with that, you know, I would say, you know, the old phrase, uh, smoke them if you got them. If you ain't got them, get them here, all right? So uh, thank you all for coming.
4: Thank you, Mayor. Senator Austin, would you like to address the group? Uh, Thank
5: you very much. And I think the mayor said uh, the most important piece is uh, the sole reason for doing recreational marijuana has been to have a regulated product. And having a regulated product makes it much safer for everybody. We can start decreasing uh, the amounts of uh fentanyl that are in our communities and uh I can't wait to see this um, uh be so successful. Uh the botanist has done a great job. Uh they have across this state uh worked with their communities and I'm hoping they expand into other communities because we always want a good partner. And um, here in Montville uh there has been over the number of years that they have been here there have been no problems Uh, We expect no problems with this. Uh, This is something that uh, we expect a smooth transition from medical to uh, operational recreational marijuana. So I'm very pleased to be here today and very pleased to have supported this piece of legislation as it made its way through the legislature. I think in the Senate we voted on it three times in one night. So thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Thank you.
4: Congratulations. Thank you very much, Senator. We (laughs) appreciate it. Thank you for coming.
1: My name is Kate Nelson, and I am the Senior Vice President of the Midwest and the New England regions for Acreage Holdings.
3: Kate, ever so many thanks for the interview. Acreage Holdings, of course, um, owners of The Botanist, and uh, no doubt to other fine establishments as well. What's the feeling today here in Connecticut? You are one of the first nine medical dispensaries being able to sell adult-use recreational marijuana in the state.
1: You know, we're tremendously excited. Uh, I think thus far we've been able to have a a positive patient experience for all of our guests since we started operating, and we're excited for the community to now have access on on a larger scale and get to see the products that the state of Connecticut's producers are, are making that we are able to sell. So We're thrilled, a lot of planning. Our team has done a phenomenal job. And making sure we're ready for this and we're making history today so we're, we're thrilled
3: it's been a long time in coming here in the state and of course still at a federal level marijuana is considered a schedule one drug are you hoping that the more states like this because it's not just connecticut we've also got a few other northeastern states that have, have now you know allowing adult use do you hope that this is now going to like really focus the federal government and say hey it's about time you review this
1: Absolutely. I think that we continue to see states passing their own programs and coming up with their own legislation because they understand the people here want this and they want safe access to products that they know are tested. So as we see states continue to pass legalization, I think it highlights to the federal government we need to do something to to make changes because right now, as, as operators, it's very challenging. Even though there's legislation at the state level, there's still a lot of federal provisions and and things like taxes and and banking that make it very difficult for operators. So when the federal government does make a decision to reschedule or deschedule, that will benefit the industry as a whole, as well as any guest who visits any establishment.
3: One of the other things that was said here today at the ribbon cutting is that it's going to be a time where people will be able to get hold of cannabis that's been regulated. I mean, just explain to us a little bit about that, because obviously as a medical marijuana dispensary, that's top priority for you.
1: Absolutely. One of the the biggest reasons someone would want to shop at a dispensary is because you know the products are safe, they're tested, and they have labels that tell you the THC content, the CBD content. All of that information is available, and that's something that obviously illegal cannabis, that that doesn't exist. You know, there's the child-resistant packaging. There's so many things about it that make it a safer product for someone if they choose to consume, and they're more informed about what they're purchasing, And, and that's the most important thing. Your guests really need to know what they're buying so that they can use it safely.
3: You've seen this happen before in other states where obviously adult recreational cannabis was uh, legalized before Connecticut. What are you expecting here today? I mean, we've got the police here. You are expecting, obviously, a a draw because you're only one of two in eastern Connecticut at the moment that is obviously able to legally sell this. So just talk us through what you're expecting today.
1: Sure. So for us, we expect there's going to be people who are traveling from far away who we may not see on a regular basis but want to be a part of history in Connecticut so are are going to be looking for product and we expect there, there could be some crowds so we've got coffee here we've got a heated tent you know we're ready to make this a positive experience for them as long as they're patient with us we'll make sure that their first transaction in the state of Connecticut is a pleasant one.
3: Many people who come here today, it is going to be potentially their very first foray into using medical, uh, into using marijuana or cannabis. What type of products are available to them?
1: So we have vapes, we have pre-rolls, we have flour. And for the first time in Connecticut, we also have gummies. So gummies have never been available to medical patients in Connecticut. And it's only now for the first time for adult use that we have a few different gummy options on the menu. So I think our edibles consumers will be happy with that
3: and how have your medical marijuana customers taken to this because obviously you still have to serve them um, you still want to serve them they are they're going to have to sort of like rub shoulder to shoulder with some new customers
1: absolutely you know our medical patients are extremely important to us and it's the reason that we want to make sure even today with opening that we have dedicated medical hours we have dedicated medical parking you know our medical guests don't wait in the lines they immediately get to go in they see the staff members they already know they know the menu so we want to make it as smooth of a process as it can be for them i do think some patients have been stocking up over the last week in anticipation of maybe trying to avoid the crowds today, but we wanted to make sure that any of our medical guests who do need to come in are making sure their their needs are met. Uh, We were running a 20% off all of our medical venue this morning from 8 to 10 as kind of an early bird special, and we we did see some decent crowds coming up to take advantage of that. So we're we're built on a foundation of our medical patients. We want to make sure we still take care of them, even as our outreach uh, expands.
3: As we said, you are one of nine currently medical dispensaries across the state that is offering, obviously, adult use today. This came at a price, though, because, you know, you are a hybrid operation. You clearly wanted to do that. You saw the value and the business behind it. Are you able to share with us how much? Because the licenses weren't cheap for this, were they?
1: Yeah, you know, for us, the biggest thing is we want people to have safe access. And while a medical program allows access people with qualifying conditions. There's also a lot of people that may have a medical need, but have never actually got their medical card because of the expense, because of the stigma, because of concerns they may have about it being on their record. So there's a lot of people in Connecticut that likely have a medical need or something that cannabis can alleviate for them that didn't want to get their card. So now that adult use is here, those people can come in and without making an investment up front and getting their card, buy one product. If it works for them, great, they're going to come back. If it doesn't work for them, they didn't invest as much. And For our medical patients, I mean, it's an investment to get your card. So we think that there are a lot of people in this community that cannabis can help, and we want to have a safe place for them to come purchase it at.
3: For years of course it has carried stigma. Do you think now again as more of this happens across not only here in Connecticut but in other states as well that finally people will see that it isn't the stigmatized like drug that people want to basically paint it as?
1: I think we're continuing to see the tide kind of turning in the favor of cannabis legalization and it's becoming a part of many conversations even around the dinner table. So I think the more that states pass legislation and have adult use and even medical programs, the more that it becomes a part of common conversation or people can get educated. You know, one thing it's still surprising to me to find is that there's people who don't know the cannabis program exists, who didn't know medical cannabis exists, who are interested to learn that adult use is finally happening. And so I think for all of them, it's on us as operators to make sure we're sharing that information so they know where to find resources, what about it, and make safe decisions for their health.
3: Kate so many thanks and congratulations on being, as I say, one of the first medical marijuana dispensaries now selling to the general public.
1: Hey, thank you so much for being here. We're making history. You're welcome to join us in the line if you want to see what it's like. we got another hour or so. Dave Radford. I'm the lieutenant from the Montville Police Department.
3: Lieutenant Radford, thanks ever so much for the interview. You're here today from Montville Police looking after probably crowds that are going to be here a little bit later, but I just wanted to ask you, if I may. From the police point of view, there have been some concerns aired by the police, obviously, about adult use marijuana and what it potentially could mean for... You, uh, the police, when it comes to like you know dealing with people who may be under the influence, can you just give us a sense of you know what Montfield's uh, attitude is towards this
4: our, our attitude has been we've been positive we've been hopeful at the same time we've you know, we're partaking in the statewide training there's advanced training now that's out there for operators that are impaired by cannabis so our department, the entire department, has been trained in that, so we've prepared for that. We're hoping for the best, and at this point, we're kind of just we're, we're treating it as you know any other motor vehicle stop, if you will. If we have to deal with somebody that might be under the influence, and we're, we're treating it according, it's kind of like alcohol, really. So we've prepared the best we can, and we're you know we're hoping for the best outcome, and we certainly don't want the worst.
3: Obviously, do you think it helps that you've had, you know, the botanist here in Montville as a medical marijuana and continues, obviously, to be a medical marijuana dispensary? Do you think that police forces who have dispensaries in their towns, there's a little bit more of an understanding because you've you've been dealing with it for longer?
4: I I absolutely do. It is, you know, one, it's given us the relationship with the botanist itself, but it's also shown us that with the medical marijuana being around previously, it's not such a big issue, but it's also given us the education of, of what to look for, what the traffic anticipations could be, which we, we expected to pick up a bit with the recreational now. But I think it's an, it's an extreme advantage to us having it in our town, the relationships and just the knowledge that they've given us internally, you know, the, letting us know levels and, and uh, you know, different THC levels and how things affect people. And again, the, the advanced training that we've had, we've, I think it's a huge advantage for us.
3: Obviously, as part of the community and, and, you know, the force that looks after the town of Montville, you get to speak to people here on a fairly regular basis. Have you had any sort of reactions from people generally about, you know, what is happening here? Have they been positive or negative? Any, anything that's been coming to the police department? Because often, of course, the police department is seen as a place where people will just go invent their feelings about something.
4: Right. We, we haven't really had too much feedback. Um, we've had a little bit here and there, but it's been pretty neutral.
3: Nothing, uh, nothing leaned one way or the other. Final question to you, thanks ever so much for your time, Lieutenant. Um, obviously, the police accountability bill came in. Then, of course, we've got this now. To a certain degree, I mean, has the police accountability bill, will it hamper you or help you, you know, as we move forward with, with things like this?
4: There's a lot of different schools of thought with the police accountability bill. Um, there's a lot, in my opinion, that was rushed through and not completely thought through. I just hope that the legislation continues to improve on the bill and, and make things better for everybody.
3: And any final message to people that are listening to this, if they're thinking of coming down here today or going to, you know, another dispensary at all from the police point of view? From
4: the police point of view, just, you know, again, be smart. You know, check your, your local facility that you're going to go to. Um, there's specific times in the morning for just medical and then recreational, and, and we're here
3: to help. Lieutenant Radford from Montville Police, thank you for the interview. Thank you, sir. The so, interview with Charlotte Smith from New London. Charlotte, you're first in the line here at The Botanist on the first day of adult use cannabis. What brought you here?
6: I've had cancer three times and I'm tired of driving to Massachusetts.
3: Why did you not get it from a medical point of view then?
6: Well because it costs it's very costly and once in a while is okay. Yeah I mean but if I have a medical card I know already I'll overuse it. So but I also don't want to spend that money you know
3: that's why. So for other people in your situation that um, you know you're using for pain relief I mean you know yeah what would you say to them?
6: I would say it's definitely worth it. I mean it's I've had proof that it shrunk tumors, cancer. They said I was very high risk of it reoccurring. They called me and said it's a probability I have it back. I started on Rick Simpson oil, and it's gone. So that's my reasoning.
3: And can we just ask you what... what? It's in
6: the pudding, you know?
3: Absolutely. And can we just ask you what you're looking to purchase today? Is it edibles or what? Can you give us a sense of what you're looking?
6: I am looking for flour, yes.
3: And of course, you know that you're restricted to only a quarter of an ounce at the moment.
6: Yes, yep, absolutely. That's okay, because I'm so close.
3: You look determined. Thank you for talking to us.
6: I don't know. I'm, like I said, I'm in a rush. That's what happened. That
3: so you've come down from Norwich. There is, of course, another one which is up in Willimantic. Did you just, was Montville so like easier for you? Yes, it is. And can I just ask you, Lynn? is this like a first-time use for you? Can you just tell us your, your cannabis story?
5: Uh, yeah, I've been in uh, chronic pain since uh, 2011. I was, I would had the card since then. I have to have it updated. It's not, so I have to wait until 10 to just get something for my relief.
3: So, again, for you, it's, it's a pain relief situation, So, but you are a medical marijuana card holder, though?
5: Yes. Yes, I am.
3: But you're waiting in line for the adult use. Sorry, just quickly explain that to us.
5: Because my medical card hasn't been approved yet, uh, I have to renew it, and so I'm
3: just going to get something to hold me over. Do you know, does this work out cheaper, do you know, if for you to do it this way, or do you not know?
5: I absolutely think streetweed weed is, um, you get more for the money, absolutely. Um, I don't even know what the price is for their quarter, but it's more than $40. Streetweed you can get it for $40 uh, a quarter. Here I have no
3: idea what to expect for a quarter. Well thank you ever so much for talking to us. I'm Sam. And where are you from Sam?
0: Uh, right now Groton.
3: So you're at the Botanist in Montfield, first day of adult-use recreational marijuana being sold. Can I just ask you what your marijuana journey is? What brought you here?
0: Yeah, I'm from Florida, which is a zero-tolerance state, so I figured it's nice. You're not meeting in a dark alley to get $20 worth of something, and you can buy it from a store. So what are you
3: looking for today, obviously, here at the Botanist? Because, uh, you know, there is a limit at the moment as to what you can actually get in Connecticut.
0: Uh, just flower, man, you know, keeping it classic.
3: What about the edibles? Because it's also, edibles are available for the first time here in Connecticut as well, or is that not your thing?
0: No, no, definitely not, man. You can't predict it.
3: <laughs> for anybody who's listening to this, who's, you know, possibly considering so like using um, cannabis, I mean, what, what would you say? Because still, there still seems to be a lot of stigma around it, doesn't it?
0: Right. Uh, I mean, if it's for you, it's for you. If not, man, you know, you got to just live your life. Sam, it's many thanks for talking to us. All right, no problem.
3: Thank you. I also caught up with Republican state representative for the 43rd district, Greg Howard, who is also a current serving police officer in Stonington, to get his thoughts on the new adult use situation.
0: We did some things wrong in that bill. Most, namely, you know, we've told our of police officers if you observe somebody, you know, smoking marijuana while driving a vehicle, you can't pull them over for it. I think that was completely irresponsible. It was one of the main reasons I voted no. We told the people of Connecticut if you give. Marijuana to a person under 21, we're going to make that a misdemeanor. Whereas if it's alcohol, it's a felony. That didn't make any sense either. So, look, I have concerns because you know the, the marijuana was prevalent in this state. I mean that's no big secret. I mean, I've been a police officer a little over 20 years. It's been around forever. But the idea that now it's legal, are people going to be driving more under the influence of marijuana? Probably. How are we going to address that? It's still kind of an unknown. It's a difficult. You know, measure. Uh, We don't have the DREs in the state of Connecticut like we do the officers trained in roadside sobriety tests for for alcohol, which are scientifically proven tests. They've been around forever. We don't have a measure of that sort of thing, And, and it's, I shudder to think what the fallout might be. You know, there's always a risk, you know, every time that you any any type of legislation you know there's always going to be some sort of a fallout but i think this one we were irresponsible about it i I have serious concerns and i feel like our folks you know now they can use it legally going to be more apt to just be outwardly doing it and and drive cars we'll see you know i don't want to sit there and predict it i'm never one of those fear-mongering types but i do have a lot of concerns about it and certainly we'll see how it plays out
3: We'll keep following this story as more adult-use cannabis stores open up across the state throughout the year. And to give an idea of how popular adult-use cannabis is so far, on January 10th from 10am to 5pm that day alone, according to a press release from the Connecticut Department of Consumer Protection, who have overseen the adult-use cannabis legalization in the state, According to tracking data on that day, the state recorded $251,276 in adult-use cannabis sales. The release went on to say they had no reported issues at any of the retailers on day one and were proud of the successful launch of the regulated adult-use market in the state.
6: This message is for Karina, our mom who finished her high school diploma at age 28. Hi mom, it's Edith and Nicholas. Congratulations on getting your diploma. You worked so hard and have taught us so much. We, we love, love you. you. When you graduate, they graduate. Finish your high school diploma for you and for them. Visit finishyourdiploma.org to find free and supportive adult education centers near you. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
0: Green Valley Tree LLC is proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week. Contact Green Valley Tree LLC for all your tree removal and plant health care needs and more. Find us at GreenValleyTreeWorks.com or call 860-234-4041.
3: Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week. Governor Lamont's State of the State speech recently addressed numerous issues affecting Connecticut, but some feel it was lackluster and didn't go far enough. Edwin J. Vieira from the Connecticut News Service reports. In his address, Lamont spoke about growing the state's workforce to fill vacant jobs, a middle-class tax cut, and rising housing and health care costs. According to the National Low-Income Housing Coalition, 66% of Connecticut's extremely
1: low-income renters are severely cost-burdened. Tom Swan with the Connecticut Citizen Action Group feels there were other issues facing the state Lamont should have addressed, one being
3: inequality. I think
4: the governor should put forward a proposal to cut poverty in half over the next four years. I think he should make a commitment to giving every child a real equal opportunity through education. I
2: think Connecticut should be a real leader in terms of climate justice. Swan adds that
5: healthcare corporations don't need to prioritize profits to make healthcare affordable. He feels the
3: big highlight of the speech was Lamont acknowledging there's a housing affordability problem in the state. Overall, he's confident there will be movement in these issues, but he's not sure how much will be done in the course of this year. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. In the day this week, residents in Montville have voiced their concerns about noise at the town's new salt storage facility being managed by Gateway. At a public meeting recently, one resident, Richard Daigle, voiced his concerns about the facility, which is just 400 yards from his home. Daigle told the council meeting he had concerns about the increased traffic on Depot Road and trucks blocking residents' homes and driveways. He also asked why the town is not currently purchasing salt from Gateway and what other materials will be stored at the facility in the future. The site is the former home to the AES Thames Co-Generation Facility, which shut down in 2011, and West Rock Paper Mill and Packaging Plant, which closed in 2020. Attorney Harry Heller, who represents Gateway, also addressed the council, though he said he and Gateway will look to address the complaints received by the town's planning department. He reminded those in attendance that the property is an industrial zone and had been approved by the Planning and Zoning Commission. In the Norwich Bulletin this week, duelling legal motions were filed recently by the Killingley School Board and proponents of a 2022 school-based health centre proposal following fresh discussions on the issue and ahead of the start of a state inquiry. The Killingley Schools Board of Education is expected to discuss and possibly act on a recommendation by a board subcommittee to contract with Community Health Centre, Inc., or CHCI, and allow the group to operate a school-based health centre at Killingley High School. The discussion comes months after the board voted against a proposal to engage Generations Family Health Center to provide a similar student behavioral health service. That rejection in March led to a citizens petition, a state of department education investigation and subsequent ruling by the State Board of Education to hold a formal inquiry into the board's alleged failure to meet the behavioral and mental health needs of the district's students. Also in the bulletin, a federal court judge in Hartford this month denied a motion by lawyers for the town of Plainfield school officials to dismiss three civil complaints filed by residents who claim their rights were violated by the district's pandemic policies. On January 3rd, U.S. District Judge Alvin Thompson upheld separate complaints filed by Daniel Rial and Miriam Irizarry, in which each claimed their First Amendment rights were violated by Board of Education members and district leaders. Rial also alleges the same-named defendants violated the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA by not exempting him from a face mask policy. Riel said he suffers from chronic rhinosinusitis, an allergies that makes breathing difficult, a condition he characterizes as a disability in his suit and precludes him from having to wear a face mask. Riel and Irazari seek unspecified costs and damages as well as a temporary and permanent injunction against the defendants from enforcing any executive orders against them in the manner complained of so as to deny them freedom of speech protected by the First Amendment as well as equal protection guaranteed by the 14th amendment according to an amended complaint filing in the middletown press this week a motorcade procession carrying state representative quentin soldier williams made its way to the state capital from the legislators home in middletown on wednesday williams who was known as q was killed recently by a wrong way driver hours after he was sworn in for his third term and after leaving governor lamont's inaugural ball. The 39-year-old rising star's legislator's death stunned the capital as flags were lowered around the state and hundreds attended a vigil in his hometown. The procession on Wednesday will be a final ride for the state representative from his Middletown home to Hartford. The state police honour guard also attended the event. In the Chronicle this week, in an effort to improve employee work-life balance and improve services, the town of Mansfield is piloting a new four-day schedule for municipal offices at Town Hall. The trial period comes after Mansfield's employee union reached an agreement with the town on the work schedule pilot. The roughly six-month pilot will run through June 30th. Except for holiday weeks, during the pilot period, town hall hours of operation will be Monday through Wednesday 8 to 5.15pm and Thursday 8am to 6.30pm. These hours apply to all offices in Town Hall, excluding the Mansfield Board of Education, the Eastern Highlands Health District and the Resident State Troopers Office. Town buildings, including the Mansfield Senior Centre, Mansfield Public Library and the Mansfield Community Centre, will retain their current hours during the pilot period. The town will actively solicit feedback from residents and employees on their experience throughout the trial period before deciding on whether or not to keep the four-day schedule on a permanent basis. And in the Putnam Town Crier this week, Thomas A. Borner, president of the Putnam Area Foundation, said that awards totaling more than $43,500 were awarded during 2022 to a variety of local organizations. Among the recipients were the Northeast Placement Services, the Arc Eastern Connecticut, Woodstock Agricultural Society and Day Kimball Hospital, among others. Borner said the foundation is pleased to aid in the support of these local organizations that provide both needed support services to the community and otherwise serve to improve the quality of life in the greater Putnam area. <music>